the more people we can get to eat more mushrooms and eat less of other stuff, the better off our whole planet can be. That is Andrew Carter, the CEO and co-founder of Smallhold, and you legends are listening to the Epic Table Podcast. Team, I have a fun fact for you. I used to absolutely despise mushrooms. That's right. From when I was younger up until you know, 12, 13, even 14 years old, I did not like them. Mum would put them in soups, sear them, charcoal them, whatever it was, I would not like them. And I don't know if it's simply the fact that I just developed maturely through my palate or maybe it was the development of my gut microbiome over time, whatever it is. I love mushrooms right now and I cannot stop eating them. I eat them multiple times a week. And I actually know you guys do as well because when we look at the analytics of our website, downchurch.com, with all the recipes that involve mushrooms, they are very popular. Also, uh, fun fact, the chorizo and bolognese are made of predominantly up of the of the delicious variety known as Chilean bass mushrooms. So I know you guys love that as well. It is super umami based. In fact, when you go, if you ever come to New York City, you come to my restaurant and I do take you to a walk through the tour of the restaurant and the studio kitchen, I'll get you to smell the lovely, awesome tub of the Chilean bass mushrooms. It is oh so delicious. And so it excites me to talk about this today, where in today's episode with the CEO and co-founder of Smallhold, Andrew Carter, we talk about the new way of growing mushrooms and how him and his team have developed this amazing technology that will obviously decrease the amount of time of transit. So, you know, supply chain wins. Uh, obviously, we can grow this all year round. The impact, the positive impact is going to have on the environment. And I love this because as we look at the food system and how we have to evolve and constantly use technology, it's merging two things. It's providing opportunity through nutritional wins. It's looking after the soil. We talk about that as well. This is an area that I just love. So why I know you guys going to love it. One, you're going to be fascinated by mushrooms. You're also going to get the benefits and performance benefits out of it. We touch upon adaptogens. We touch upon, obviously, the gut health wins, beta-glucan, obviously wonderful dietary fiber in there that we love talking about. There are plenty of benefits that associate with what you guys get takeaways from. I want you guys to take that away. I also want you to then use them, obviously, going forward. So you can head to danchurchy.com. If you haven't already, sign up to the newsletter team. Just quickly, uh, click that link and by doing so this uh, newsletter is going to be associated with a mind map of how to grow mushrooms uh, some recipes some studies associated with it and just some key takeaways and findings which i'm really really excited by um, obviously if you guys sign up to that newsletter as well you got some sick discounts coming your way on some certain things speaking of certain things Charlie Street's chorizo and bolognese is now available on Amazon. So those of you who already have, I appreciate it, but please go and leave a review on Amazon. Maybe purchase something if you want. Uh, there's a discount there as well. If you want to use your code that I'm now using for my own product, this is actually really cool. Someone actually hit me up on this. I said Dan15 as the code. I just made it myself. Someone's like, why don't you make a better code name? And I'm like, far out. What, like, uh, like Megatron 15 or like Awesome Chorizo Sauce? I don't know. I probably should have done that. Anyway, point is, team, if you go to charliestreet.com and use the code DAN15, I'll get you a little discount on your order of chorizo and bolognese. This is shipping nationally across the US. I want to say thank you so much for your constant support of this as we get you guys to eat more plants. Whether you add it to your chicken, whether you add it to any other animal-based protein, or you're having it just as a whole plant-based meal, these delicious wonders are here to help you eat more plants. They're made entirely out of whole foods. They are rich in awesome nutritional value because they're made entirely out of whole foods. They taste great and they're really easy to cook with. So, charliestreet.com, 
use code Dan15, you are supporting not a business that I (laughs) am a part of through a partnership, but actually my business. So I really appreciate it, guys. All right, so Andrew Carter, you absolute wizard when it comes to mushrooms, my man. Thank you for being part of the show and welcome to the Epic Tower Podcast. Andrew Carter, co-founder and CEO of the wonderful Epic Smallhold. Dude, welcome to the Epic Table Podcast. Thanks for having me. Man, you were actually uh, too close to not have this done visually and personally together, but we'll make sure we actually do get connected and uh, talk about mushrooms in person. But man, I, you know, my my world is, uh, I'm I'm blessed to do what I do, but like the, the world of farms and integrated new ways to grow things and just ways to give back to the planet and still live nutritious lives is truly exciting particularly like we have individuals like yourself with their organizations doing incredible things and i remember when i first found and came across you it was actually through a mutual friend tobias pegs who owns square roots grow uh which as it so happens as you just said is in the same vicinity of um workspaces as you guys here at smallhold uh, but you guys are doing some incredible things, man. And the art of the art of mushrooms, I will say, is and I'll say the art because there is definitely art to it, is incredibly exciting. Uh, we've obviously seen everything blow up in the world of the tropics. We've seen the way that adaptogens have come together. Unique mushrooms are no longer just like the art of mushrooms in a recipe. You're even looking at different unique ones um, culinarily wise, and then obviously use medicine and medicinal purposes in general. But this is something that's not happened. Um, solely recently, just got a lot of buzz recently. And this seems as if you've been working on this before <laughs> Before it was, I would say like before it's cool because this, this company's been around for like five years, which is still not a long time, but um, it's, it's rather exciting. So my man, why do you love mushrooms? I just want to say that. What, what, why do you love mushrooms? Oh, wow. Big question to start. Um, mm. I love them for so many different reasons, but... Um, I think it's, it's kind of evolved over the years. I, um, I, I initially liked the idea of fungi as this, um, just this mysterious kingdom of organisms that people don't really understand that well, that do, that have so, such a strong function in so many different aspects of people's lives, like, uh, in nature, uh, plants, probably wouldn't exist if it wasn't for uh, mycorrhizal relationships, like like the symbiotic relationship between a, some fungi and, and roots of plants. Um, they wouldn't be digesting substrate and digesting fallen trees in the woods and stuff like that, creating compost. The world wouldn't exist how it is today if it wasn't for that. And so I always found that really intriguing. But um, as I started getting into the space and started growing them, really realizing how much um how how healthy they are and how much they can really impact someone's lifestyle with just integrating just a little bit i mean there are certain uh nutrients certain aspects of them that are very bioavailable and just kind of like it's easy to incorporate in your life unlike a lot of other things um that that are a little more difficult to change your lifestyle um but one of the most the, the things that i get really excited about now are the facts that people just get obsessed with them. And I know we're talking about why I love them, but what I love about mushrooms is how other people love mushrooms. Because 
I don't know many things like this. Like you have people that are just obsessed and I'm sure, you know, someone like this, maybe many people may, I mean, it sounds kind of like you might be one of these people like I am. Um, <laughs> but there are, uh, so many people out there that they watch fantastic fungi or they go foraging with a friend in the woods one day, they maybe watch a YouTube video about mushrooms. They eat some mushrooms, they grow some mushrooms, whatever it is. Um, and they become obsessed. They become like mushroom fanatics and they join their my mycological society and it changes their lives forever. And there's not a lot of food like that. Like I've never, I've been growing food my whole career and, you know, I spent way more time growing leafy greens and tomatoes than mushrooms. And I've never grown anything that has such like a, a cult like following, um, like mushrooms. And, I just find that so intriguing and it kind of like adds to the mystery of these organisms. Um, like maybe they can have mind control or something weird like that, but um, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's just very interesting to be growing a product that people get so obsessed with and love so much. Um, yeah, that's probably the main thing that I love about them right now. I just want to say, man, I'm a hundred percent one of those obsessive people particularly over ingredients such as this wonderful thing. And at two point, there's so many different levels to it. Like there really is. And I, I, I look at mushrooms and for some, if I said the word mushrooms to people right now, I think, you know, this is a, a huge assumption, but most people would just think of that button cremini mushroom, the really cheap, affordable one they get from the supermarket, which is awesome in its own right. Don't get me wrong. Like it's yeah. great. And that's just, that's alone just, um, probably what people just right now associate themselves with. Then you have the, more expansive, delicious oyster, um, you know, you, you're rolling into the enoki and all these things. And that's kind of like the culinary aspect. And now you're looking at lion's mane and quadriceps and all these, there's, there's just different layers to it. And you're right. You speak to, you speak to people who, uh, instead of having coffee, will be having a mushroom based beverage, right? Four Sigmatic is, is done incredibly well, but now you're having all these other brands that are doing the same thing. Athletic Greens, you know, like we love including those kind of things, you know, in, in the same aspect because there is there's a absolute cyclical nature of people interested in this space. And to that point, the Epic Table listeners, we love finding ways to improve our performance. So I'm, I definitely note there's a lot of people listening in today who may look at mushrooms at, you know, a very surface level but still appreciate them in a way that I don't think other ingredients um, get the same respect because mushrooms are just awesome. And they're also interchangeable in recipes and they're just super meaty and delicious, which we're going to get into in a second. But for you, man, like it sounds like, by the way, dude, I used to hate mushrooms. Like my mom and dad used to make mushrooms in things when I was younger and I would not touch them. And so once again, I've said this before to our listeners, if you're a parent, if you are someone who having their kids struggle to eat mushrooms, trust me, your beautiful palates will evolve over time like mine did. And I love them. In fact, uh, I probably eat mushrooms almost every day, if not <laughs> at least five times a week. So um, what's your relationship with mushroom, man? Like, did you grow up eating them? Yeah, uh, not, not that much. Um, I grew up in Los Angeles and my... I uh, love my parents, um, but they, we probably didn't have the most sophisticated diet. You know, like I grew up. It's funny. I, it's funny because my parents really cared, and uh, they. Um, it's not like I. Uh, they didn't care about our nutritious, but it was kind of the times. Like I, I ate a lot of microwave meals, ate McDonald's all the time. Um, I still think there's a future in microwave meals, maybe a healthy one. 
Um, maybe that's another business one day, but um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I didn't really eat that much, that many mushrooms. But I also didn't really grow up hating any kind of food. I was a pretty easy kid to feed. And so I wasn't sitting there hating on anything. But my parents weren't the kind of people that would go to farmer's markets or anything like that. That, that kind of changed when I went to college. I like, wanted to get as far away from Los Angeles as possible and went to University of Vermont where, you know, it's beautiful. There's farms everywhere. Uh, people listen to fish and Grateful Dead all the time. And so obviously you encounter uh, a really great uh, grocery and co-op and farmer's market scene. And that's kind of when I started really evolving my palate. I dabbled in vegetarianism for a while there as well, which really, you know, when you want to do that healthfully, then you really have to start getting comfortable with mushrooms. Um, but to your point, like this is a thing that most, most Americans at least, um, and especially people that have a Western diet and encounter like the, the vast majority of the U S mushroom market, it's estimated like 80 or 90% of the market are, agaricus which is about like the white brown or portobello mushroom they're all the exact same mushroom just grown at different stages um and so that's just what people are used to and then additionally there was a lot of pressure from campbell's soup and a lot of other companies to start uh, canning the mushrooms which is kind of like you don't need to can mushroom very often these days but when you get it on a pizza or something like that it probably is preserved in that way and there's these just it's like People get people don't like mushrooms because they had this one experience with buttons. But as we kind of said earlier, is this is an entire kingdom. Like saying you don't like mushrooms is like saying you don't like uh, almonds because you had a soggy kale one day. Like like plants are vast, you know. And it's like saying you don't like plants is like basically like if you say you don't like mushrooms. And so I agree. Like if you think you don't like mushrooms, try out a few different things. As small hold grows and as other companies grow, there will be more diversity in the mushroom aisle. And so you can try them out for yourself. Um, there's a lot There's a lot more uh, to enjoy than just a soggy button that you had when you were a kid. Yeah, man, 100%. I think the uh, even as a chef, as I continue to you know meet other chefs or go to new markets, I'll be exposed to distributors um it, it it bewilders me that i'm exposed and every single day when i say bewilders i'm like i'm more just shocked i'm like oh there's another cool mushroom that i've never been exposed to before and i think honestly one of the one of the biggest light bulb moments came when we were developing my product and we were going through different stages and then there was this one that was called like we started out actually testing with cremini because like you know we're getting these fresh cremini's in they were delicious but then we were adjusting things accordingly and then I came across this thing called a Chilean bass mushroom. And for me, like I love, I love sea bass. I think sea bass is one of my favorite fishes, you know, to, to enjoy. I think it's beautiful. For some reason, I'm like Chilean bass, what does that even, what kind of, I've never even heard of that, 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 that uh, mushroom before. And to the point we're talking about with um, being you know, distributed, we're now finding unique ways we can dehydrate ingredients to preserve them in a way that uh, maximizes, obviously, their ability to, to ship and everything. But the biggest thing was when you open up this bin of delicious uh, – when I say bin because they come in like 40 pounds for us. But they come and you open the bin up and it is this delicious smell of just savory awesomeness from mushrooms. And so – for me, that was like a light bulb moment going, oh, mushrooms just get sexier and sexier. And 
So I'm, I'm kind of going on a massive just, uh, I go fanboy moment over not only mushrooms, but specifically chili and bass. But I think as I evolve through the culinary aspect, it's opening my eyes to the medicinal things and the benefits and obviously for performance because I get more interested through taste into the benefits of certain things. And you can see that. You can see that with the fact that it's obviously more studies are being done, more human trials are being done when it comes to understanding the effects of the beta-glucans, which is a great dietary fiber source, which is linked to the gut, which obviously is beneficial for the brain. All my listeners know uh, with Dr. B, how he, how he talks about that. These are these are particular tie-ins. And there's obviously, there is, uh, there's an obvious trend towards the benefits of these adaptogens. They help balance balance out our hormone levels and all these things that balance out everything within ourselves purely just based on this wonderful ingredient. Um, but most importantly, you can use them to uh, your, your heart's content in a number of different dishes. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to learn more about how you started this awesome company, dude, because like, you know, small hold, you know, as, as you say, is changing minds and cha- <laughs> changing minds and mushrooms um, is that's a great tagline, by the way, dude. I think that's that's awesome. So, when you're coming when you're coming up with this concept, uh, I'm assuming you're taking the technology or the understanding of a business like this from your previous previous role um, in the business that you're at. So, if we if we go back a few years when you're a you know an architect consultant, <laughs> you're dealing with hydroponic systems. Were you thinking? how uh you know like i just want to do something with mushrooms or are you looking at more of a you know vertical farm integration in general yeah it was uh i've been thinking about growing mushrooms for a while so like years and years ago i really wanted to work on uh remediating soil and polluted sites and that's what i went to school for it was really technical degree basically on using uh, equipment and technology to, uh, and, and ecology, like basically these big aquaponic facilities to filter out water um, that came from uh, polluted sites or from uh, like the wastewater treatment plants for, for, for cities. And no work doing that. <laughs> um, and so I moved into this agriculture space and kind of applied that knowledge to the hydroponic and greenhouse world. Um, what, what I kind of got intrigued by like with that was more about uh, ecosystem uh, imitation rather than food production. And so like, I really like this idea of that nature and are the ecosystem we live in is extremely complicated and it's changing really quickly. And um, most organisms on this planet are probably not going to evolve fast enough to exist in the planet that we're creating. And we're already seeing it. I mean, you know, not to get all doom and gloom, but, you know, there's a lot of creatures all over the place that are going extinct, extinct pretty much daily. And um, climate change is only going to make that worse. And whether that's in a year, whether it's in a hundred years, whether it's in a thousand years, humanity is probably going to have to figure out a way to imitate what existed before um, indoors. And um, there's not a lot of like really cool projects like you know you might have seen like biosphere like the movie with Polly Shore but and then there's the bio, there's the the one in Arizona and there's one in the UK but um, the application of this technology basically happens already with indoor farming um, with greenhouses or with vertical farms or with mushroom farms we're basically trying to like get a, a special environment that these crops really enjoy so you can grow year round the highest quality product with zero pesticides. And so um, 
I found myself helping people build big greenhouses. I was a very technical person. I was like a head grower for a while. Um, I consulted on a bunch of different projects, helping people build out their facilities. Um, got the chance to travel the world, visiting different facilities and helping people out um, build both greenhouses and vertical farms. Um, but it started getting really interested in mushrooms in this end, like in the production end in around 2015. Um, I, uh, it, it, back then my, my father passed away and I got a house that we were trying to restore and um, I was working a lot. And then on the weekends was trying to grow mushrooms in our basement and just trying to figure it out because I thought it was kind of a cool concept. And um, it looked like a meth lab. I mean, it looked crazy. Like it was like uh, pressure cookers and plastic wrap everywhere and um, grew some beautiful mushrooms. But if you look at YouTube and you talk to anyone that grows mushrooms, usually it kind of starts that way. And um, it wasn't until uh, 2016 that uh, my co-founder and my roommate actually in college, Adam DiMartino, um, he came back from a motorcycle trip and he also has a, he has a past in a bunch of startups as well. And um, I got the chance to build out a shipping container farm out in Williamsburg. Some friends of ours had this space by the Domino factory um, and they let us plant a shipping container there. And I was kind of building this thing out on the weekends. And, um, it, towards the end of 2016, we just started growing and decided that we were going to quit our jobs and incorporate small holds. And then we kind of went from there. Um, and it's funny cause I used to be the lettuce guy, you know, and now I'm, the, now I'm the mushroom guy and most people know me for the mushrooms, but, um, you know, I still, I still really like the idea of indoor food production and producing food for the masses in sustainable ways. Um, I, I think mushrooms lend themselves to indoor farming a way more than a lot of other kinds of crops. I think there are amazing aspects of leafy greens and tomatoes, but there are a lot of issues with it as well. Uh, there's a lot of energy consumption. Um, it costs a lot to build those facilities. Um, mushrooms are amazing because they, uh, at least the mushrooms that we grow, we grow on uh, waste streams from the timber industry. Um, and so they get most of their energy out of that. We do have crazy climate control. We can go into that too, patents and all that kind of stuff. But um, the technology makes it so we can grow like a ton of calories and a ton of food with really low amounts of resources. Like we just did a big life cycle analysis for our entire company, for example, and our carbon footprint's like 20 or 30% less than any mushroom farm we could find. And then um, we, it's our carbon footprint's way less than tofu beyond impossible meat, obviously way less than meat or way less than indoor farm grown hydroponic food. Um, but our water use, we actually couldn't find any food that used less water than, than our production. And so I'm sure there's something out there, but as far as in our analysis, you know, when you care about, um, the, the environment and resource use, uh, these kinds of products are definitely something that you should be considering. And so in addition to being so healthy with all of the health benefits, um, just incorporating a little bit of mushrooms in your lifestyle can go a really long way, um, especially if you're eating less meat. Um, and so, so the more people we can get to eat more mushrooms and eat less of other stuff, the better off our whole planet can be. And so we're trying to make people have fun, bring really fun products to the shelf, get really colorful, organic sustainably packed mushrooms to as many people as possible. So then they can start feeling better about eating them 
rather than eating, you know, slimy button mushrooms that they, they tried when they were a kid once. You heard it here first, a collaboration between Charlie Street and Small Hold using Small Hold mushrooms, just putting it out there. Um, <laughs> dude, that's really, that's really epic. What's, I'm actually curious is the requirements to grow mushrooms in a hydroponic state. Like what, what do they really need and, and, and how does that process start? I kind of want to get granular with that. Just, I mean, just did myself. Sure. Yeah. So, so the, to be clear, like hydroponics are, is very specific for plants. And so, and fungi and plants, completely different kingdoms. They, fungi are honestly more like animals than they are like plants, which I'll explain in a second. But um, with, with plants, hydroponics is uh, mainly the, the fact that it grows without soil and you're, you're irrigating and fertilizing the roots with water. And so that's separate. Mushrooms are grown indoors with controlled environments. We get lumped in together. We're growing vertically and all that. So technically we're a vertical farm. And, but, but the function is way different. Um, we, so so with, with the mushrooms we grow, they're called saprotrophic mushrooms. And so they're digester mushrooms. And so what that means is that like a, in the wild, a tree falls in the woods, a spore of an oyster mushroom goes and drops on that tree. It germinates creates mycelium, which is this fibrous net, which is actually the living organism. And that kind of injects itself into that fallen tree. It releases enzymes a lot like your stomach does. It's kind of like an inside out stomach. And it digests those, that carbon, creates energy, continues to expand. And then once it knows that it's running out of food in that tree, it goes to the reproductive process, which creates a fruiting body, which is what usually you're eating. You're eating fruiting bodies off of the mycelium. Um, and then it would go through a process again, releasing spores and doing that again. Um, so what we do, we don't deal with like, you know, raw trees in the woods. Um, we deal with the timber industry who's, uh, doing their thing. Uh, they have waste sawdust, um, that is, uh, sometimes goes to landfill, sometimes goes to plywood, but either way we're diverting it, um, and making sure that we can grow a really amazing product out of it. Um, we're certified organic. And so we do supplement it, but mainly with like wheat bran and rye berries, it's like about 90 to 95% uh, hardwood sawdust is our substrate. Um, That gets hydrated with a little bit of water. And then um, you sterilize it because you don't want anything uh, growing in that besides the mycelium that you're going to be growing. And then you inoculate it with whatever uh, mycelium it is. And so a blue oyster mycelium, for example, or a trumpet mycelium or a lion's mate mycelium. They're all genetically different. So they're not going to grow an oyster or grow a poisonous mushroom or anything like that. Um, and so you inject it with that. Um, you let it sit for a few weeks. Um, the, the mycelium grows out throughout the substrate. And then once the mycelium is like, it's very dense, it's like a brick, it's white. Um, that block goes into our grow chambers, which are capturing hundreds of thousands of data points per day. We're running all these algorithms on it. It's like a very um, amazing, crazy technology they've been working on for years. Um, And uh, within usually four to seven days for most varieties, but sometimes up to 14 days, um, the mushrooms pop out of that block and then they're harvested and packed in boxes for people to eat. Um, Then that once they're harvested, that waste substrate 
Um, that goes to a lot of different places for us. Most of the time it goes to compost. And so there's a lot of farms that use our, um, our substrate, but then there are other mushroom farms that are growing additional mushrooms on our substrates. We're working on a very large bioremediation project in Los Angeles with, uh, Dr. Danielle Stevenson, as well as, um, uh, LADWP. They're, it's a really crazy project working on big, uh, super fund and brownfield, brownfield sites in Los Angeles. Um, but it's, a uh, it keeps going basically like our waste goes to a bunch of other kinds of products and it's all kind of part of this big circular system that we're trying to build as we grow our company. Dude, I was, uh, just putting into my mind, a mind map or visualization of how that all worked, but, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to create a, I'm going to create a graph for everyone that's, uh, you guys can pick up on the newsletter when it comes out. That's, um, Sounds pretty intense. And are you by, like, I know you're, you, I'm assuming you have gone to school for being an architect. Have you gone to school for being a, a scientist for injecting, my, um, you know, mushroom-based uh, <laughs> microbes before? Yeah, well, I actually, I, I went to, so so if you look at my, like, profile, I used to work for a company called Agritecture. And so it's not, uh, I'm not an architect. I'm actually, like, a, a environmental scientist by, by trade, Sick. by degree. Cool. And so, um the, I studied science. Um, I studied some mycology, but not that much. A lot of it, um, a lot of the kind of interesting stuff was sort of emerging while I was in school. I think Mycelium Running with Paul Stamets came out when I was in college. And that TED Talk came out soon after about fixing oil spills with Mycelium. And um, that was interesting to me. But most of what because now we have a big team like we're over 100 people and we have scientists and all sorts of people that work at our company but when we started it was just i was doing all the science stuff and um honestly you learn from youtube like i had read all the books i talked to a bunch of amazing scientists about it um the best resource i found for mushroom production is youtube and i've talked to so many other people about this it's like the mushroom community is amazing it's like a lot of citizen scientists, a lot of people who are interested in free information. And so um, people put their stuff out there and they teach people. Uh, it's a very open community and anyone that's looking into growing, I recommend like being part of it. Um, we try to as well. We help a lot of people build their farms. And so people reach out to us all the time for advice. We're absolutely open about it. So if you're listening and you want to talk to us about building your own operation, feel free, like you can talk to us about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's always more to learn though, because the, the industry is new. I mean, people have been growing mushrooms for a while, but, um, in the U S at least it's, it's, uh, mostly button mushrooms. And then any of the cool, exciting ones are kind of got done by smaller, uh, sort of farmer's market, uh, people who sell at the farmer's markets. And then there's a few people who make, you know, mycelium for ingredients for all the supplement brands, but most of people are sourcing the supplement, uh, ingredients from overseas as well. And so, um, you know, the, the, it's a lot more evolved when you go into China, Japan and Korea, but, uh, in the U S it's, it's still very early. And so we're, we're trying to help that out. Yeah, dude, that's, uh, that's awesome. I, I look at this as a situation of like, YouTube is a great resource and I'm stoked that you built uh, a great business off it. There's only one thing I would definitely, definitely recommend you do not use YouTube for. My mate, learn how to change his car tire 
on YouTube. And I'm like, dude, that's, I mean, the, sorry, the break, not the car tire, the break. I'm like, bro, it's probably not the best. Like I'd get a professional to do that. But it yeah. seems as if you're doing a pretty good job based on your number one, your, your past experiences in relationship with uh, the sciences of this. And then two, um, combining that with the best in visualization and learning. So go YouTube, epic. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, it's crazy yeah. how far I can take you as an educational resource. Yeah. Yeah. yeah awesome. I mean, it's like I've, again, like I have experience in like massive commercial greenhouse and mm. that helps in post harvest and like cool. food safety and that you did, probably can't learn on YouTube. Um, but as far as the production side of it, um, yeah, it's, it's honestly one of the best resources I could find. Yeah. Cool, um, dude. So I, I'm just, I'm curious as well, man, when, when it comes to your, your system and you apply the say, the same amount of volume or yield that you are getting, say, to a conventional mushroom farm. What are the differences we are getting with respect to um, maybe benefits uh, with the planet? Like how much less energy and water usage when it comes to the same amount of uh, you know mass we're getting put out? Yeah, so uh, we're certified organic production. There's a lot of people that aren't. Um, the so. You can always trust that, you know, we're, we have good growing methods and there's nothing funky in the, in the products that you're buying from us. Um, whenever you're buying from Smallhold, it's local, like grown in your region. And so that's a big thing for us. So we have farms in New York, in Texas and in Los Angeles now. And so if you're buying our mushrooms in Southern California or in Arizona, um, it was grown pretty close to you. Uh, if it was if it's if you buy it in Texas. Um, it was grown in Texas, um, in, even in Austin, if you go into, or in any of the central markets in Texas, you can go in, we actually have installations inside the grocery store growing mushrooms in front of people's eyes. It's really crazy. It's another application of the technology. We call it mini farms, but, um, those are harvested fresh and put on the shelf. So you can buy them like literally minutes after harvest. Um, then in New York and in the Northeast, you can buy them from different grocery stores as well as from those mini farms and those are, uh, it's always local. Um, and by local, it has to do with freshness. You know, you're, you're getting something that hasn't been decomposing, which um, most mushrooms are because they're shipped for miles, if not within the U.S., sometimes from overseas. Um, that means that you get a lower quality, which is less enjoyable, and then the nutrient density gets decreased. Um, when it's fresh, you have a way better experience. And so um, when it's local, that's the case. And then also like our whole team is local, like for every facility that it's in, you're, you're um, obviously our headquarters is in New York, but anyone who works in the Texas facility or in the LA facility, that's where they're from. That's where people are working. And so you're helping support um, that local economy there um, when you're, when you're buying those local products um, where the environmental impact is huge. Uh, we, as I kind of mentioned earlier, we did this big life cycle analysis and uh, we had the ability of comparing to other mushroom farms. Um, the the uh, the we we found that we were twenty or thirty percent, twenty to thirty percent less carbon footprint than any other mushroom farm we could find, and that's both specialty as well as by wow. mushroom farms. Um, we couldn't find a lot of water data from other people, but I'm positive that we're using less water. We have like a, a <laughs> bunch of crazy initiatives to make it so we don't use a lot of water. Um, and then I guess I should have mentioned when we were uh, doing the local, the, we're talking about local, but uh, everyone gets paid a local wage at Smallhold. And so um, we do analysis on each region um, to understand what people should be paid uh, in those farms. 
farm labor is generally minimum wage. Uh, and generally in the mushroom industry in particular, um, it's usually migrant labor um, that there's a lot of bad labor practices in the commercial mushroom space. Um, we don't want to do that. And so we have a lot of, uh, of ways to deal with that when, when you're thinking about small hold and when we're hiring uh, at our farms. Um, so, and all this is just stuff that we really care about. And we thought that we would build this company with all these things we care about. Um, and I'm really glad to see that a lot of people care about it. You know, a lot of people care about the environmental impacts, labor impacts, like all these things that we think are important. Like, you know, when we were, so our packaging is in cardboard compostable clamshells. If you go to the mushroom aisle, usually it's like styrofoam and plastic wrapped products. And that's insane for like, one of the most sustainable products in the grocery store, you're like putting it in styrofoam, which is just like, it, it pains me to see that. Um, and uh, when we were starting the business and packing these mushrooms, it wasn't even an option to do that. It's definitely cheaper to do plastic and styrofoam. Um, but we, it, it wasn't like, there wasn't an analysis that was done and being like, Oh, this is going to cost us this much more to do this. It was just like, there's no, there's no way we're going to pack it in that stuff. And so like, here are our options as far as compostable products and the products that we believe in. And we, that kind of trickles through the whole entire company and everything we do. We think of the same about our brand. Um, we don't run ads. Like we, we, uh, we pack in the right things. We just try to inspire people and get people excited about the products. And, um, and I think it's, I think it's working so far. So we just want to continue doing that. Yeah, dude, it's really cool, man. I uh, I remember when I got my delicious delivery. Uh, this <laughs> it's like how do I put it? Like, you're like holding um, it, it's this this like little. When I say little, it's you have this bunch of mushrooms in like what's like a feels like a five pound weight of just you know goodness. Um, and you just I, I do encourage people to go on the small hold Instagram. You can check out exactly what I'm talking about. I'm doing a really poor uh, description, but you have a bunch of mushrooms associated with like a section of what the, I guess the soil <laughs> equivalent would be. Um, but it, it's 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 really awesome, man. It's really really cool. The uh, I was also noticing like there's I've noticed for a while like we've talked about ways that you know mushrooms benefit us as humans we've talked about the beta glucans we've talked about the potassium the other amazing nutritional value they have and i can i can honestly create a whole list of things for people to see we don't have to go into that today like mushrooms we know amazing benefit they're also great in paving a pathway to helping people eat more plants we've discussed that because they're meaty tasty goodness um and even just assimilating into a variety of dishes so they as a as a storyteller they're great in allowing that to happen so yes they're nutritional yes they're tasty and they also offer that meatiness that people sometimes wish they could get so it's, it also helps that on the environmental side you just touched base on you know why the the same yield can be uh of much greater value doing it the way that you are currently um you know creating your goodness what i would love to say and here is that there is there's is a study that's actually you guys noted on your website it talks about the association with soil so you know soil health is something that i'm particularly interested in because obviously the and everything starts with the soil if the soil health is not good then the fruits and the veggies and the things that we grow uh, are not going to be of the same nutritional bioavailable uh, bioavailability which is absolutely integral to looking after our health um and so 
we have in this study it was noted the impact and the positive impact that uh, fungi, uh, particularly mushrooms, had on clean, help clean the soil and eradicate of particular toxins uh, that could be adversely affecting individuals and obviously the organisms around the soil itself. So that's exciting. So question to you then: Does that mean you still believe we should be planting um, things in the soil, or is this a, is there a way that you can combine? Uh, the 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 your your methodology to still have that same positive impact to some degree, right? Yeah, I mean, so so uh, again, like mushroom production is so different than hydroponics. So with hydroponics, it's like not using soil. Um, I'm not. I, I I'm a believer in hydroponics, but I also believe in growing plants in the soil. I don't think it's either or. Um, with mushrooms, we're doing like. You know, we have all this technology and stuff, but as far as how the mushrooms are growing, it's like giving them like a feast of the organic stuff that they would eat in the wild. And all the environments that we're creating are just imitating what you'd find in the wild. And so um, while it's like looks crazy, it's 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 very natural process that the mycelium and the mushrooms are going through in our production. Um, And so I think that... um, as far as plants are concerned, I think we, yeah, of course we need to continue to use, to, to plant in the soil. I think that um, we need to grow a little more food and be a little more efficient with the resources that we have. Um, there's a lot of people that believe that we don't have enough land for plants. I don't really totally believe that. I think it's more of like a topsoil and resource issue um, and efficiency issue. Um, but I think that... Um, the it, it it's just food is like the biggest industry everyone eats there's so many different kinds of crops um especially when the most a lot of the world especially the developed world is comfortable with a global diet and accessing kind all kinds of foods year round um we need to be smarter with how we're growing and distributing food which is how indoor farming and how uh kind of like the hydroponic world or even the indoor mushroom farming kind of exists. Um, I would love it if our planet got used to eating seasonally, but I don't know if we're going back to that. Um, I think that we live in a global economy. We should expect the food system to kind of be able to deal with that. Um, and we need to evolve the food system to be able to do that. Um, where I, where, I really think it's it, like a, an example of this is is in the United States, like it's a gigantic country. It's probably shouldn't be a country, you know, it should be many countries. Um, not that I'm like saying that we should all like secede or whatever, but you know, when, when California has a larger GDP than, than many countries on the planet, you know, it's something to think about. Um, but people are shipping food all over the place and it makes sense for certain kinds of crops like corn and wheat and rice, stuff that's shelf stable that makes sense and growing at scale. You'd never be able to grow that um, in a way indoors hydroponically. You have to have good soil to grow those kinds of crops and people eat a lot of that. Um, but I think in the U S what they started doing was applying the supply chain that created for all this uh, staple uh, staple crops um, onto other kinds of products like leafy greens um, and mushrooms. Uh, most of the leafy greens in the U.S. are grown in Salinas, like uh, in the southwest United States. Um, 
And so you have this crazy supply chain. It uses a lot of fossil fuels. You waste a lot of food um, because they're kind of just applying the same approach that the rest of the food system in the United States was built on. I don't think that's right. I think that you can use the same sort of thing for certain kinds of foods, but we have to evolve it for other kinds of foods like mushrooms, for example, like leafy greens um, with with mushrooms. Um, one of the reasons why buttons are so dominant is because they ship well, like they, they don't bruise that well. They, they're pretty like dense. If you've had them, um, oysters, lion's mane, maitake mushrooms, they fall apart if, if they go through any sort of distribution and, uh, by growing it locally, then you can actually start selling it and you can use packaging that's more sustainable. You can, you can rethink about how supply chains work. Um, and bring these products to market. And that's really what we're trying to do with small holds. And I do think that it, it's kind of important when you're thinking about the leafy green space as well. Kind of got all over the place, but in general, I think that, yeah, we, of course we have to take care of our soil. Like it's a big part of what we do at small hold. Like all of our waste is spent going to compost. Uh, you know, we don't get paid for that. Uh, we don't even get credits for that in our life cycle analysis because there's not enough data showing that, it helps with carbon retention, which we know it does. But um, once we get that data, we'll really show how much better we are than most other mushroom productions. Um, but uh, it's it's all part of having a, we need soil, we need hydroponics, we need any kind of indoor farming um, just to really have a, have a food system that's sustainable for, for the future. Yeah, without a doubt, man. I loved how you touched on that term, like seasonal and you look at all these incredible now scientific backed, um, uh, based, you know, farm grown, uh, you know, whether it be vertically farm integrated or uh, of that nature, it's the, what was the original problem was the fact that if you're not using seasonal ingredients, you're having a harmful effect on, you know, distribution on CO2 and housing ingredients. They're losing nutritional value. Uh, you're not looking after local farmers. There's, there's, there's always this been this um, association between seasonal and local, and that's actually incorrect. So it's it's the whole point of seasonality is to get the best out of those ingredients based on the climatic conditions that you are obviously um, you, you're growing them under. Uh, and now, like yourself, square roots grow. You've obviously got lettuce grow as well. All these, you know, things that what you guys are doing, you're creating the atmosphere in which these ingredients can be grown seasonally. Uh, they don't have to be grown seasonally. They can be grown all year round, which means you're getting the nutritional value all year round, which means the cost of the goods is actually going to be cheaper because they're not having to spread the demand or the supply of them. And at the same time, we're looking at opportunities to now integrate across, um, you know, as you guys are, you've got multiple locations. It, it, it makes more sense financially and everything from supply going onwards. You talked about being able to it's much easier <clears throat> from a cost perspective as, as little as this is it's, it's so much easier from a cost perspective and operationally if you're purchasing packaging at a li- larger amount based on the fact that you know you're growing a certain amount that does not be defied that is not defied by the seasons so you know as you know your volume at which you're you know growing at you can provide you get cheaper unit costs on the awesome packaging you're using which is already more expensive because you're using the best and the best of the best and then as a result it's more cheaper for you which means it's cheaper for the customer which means this whole cycle called nature is more affordable making the term seasonal uh it's kind of outdated because if you're getting these integrated farm systems that are doing their job it's it's epic and i'm not to say that 
we should still not, as you already alluded to, be supporting a local farmer who is doing seasonal things. It is important. It is absolutely important. You have, you know, these amazing farmers rocking up at, th- like leaving their homes at 3 a.m. upstate New York to get to, you know, the Union Square Farmers Market to do their thing. And like, I'm not, you know, in any way disregarding that. We have to support them. But I just want to say in the wider community, when people are saying that the term seasonal, when we have these new technologies, it can be, in my opinion, incorrectly used because we now have cheaper ways to provide a system of fresh, organic, best-in-class, nutritionally viable ingredients for the end user. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, food food is really complicated. Like, and distribution is extremely complicated. And it's it's obviously like you can't expect like everyone to understand all of that, but they do know that they want like a tomato in the winter. And so it's up to kind of I think it's up to businesses to kind of figure that out. Um, and there's a cheap and easy way, which is use a bunch of resources and ship it from Spain or wherever. Um, but uh, if soon as people start to really care about environmental impact, uh, then that will change and more people will get into the idea of growing like commercially locally. Cause this thing, this hasn't really happened before. I mean, it's sort like, there's obviously there's big farms. There are networks of local farms. I mean, there's some amazing businesses that are out there. Um, but what's kind of happening right now is like people are bringing a brand to the produce aisle and trying to um, brand, have a national brand with local distribution. Um, And that's not really how it works. (laughs) Most of these produce buyers are used to buying like despite where the location is. And so there's some education there, um, but there's not really a precedent for any of us to follow. Like we're just trying to figure it out and make sure that like what we're doing uh, is something that consumers really want and and respond to. Um, and so all of us need to kind of work together and talk to each other to understand you know what what people are looking for and uh, and in their in the food that they're eating and in the brands that they support, especially when thinking about local food production. Mate. <laughs> oh, I mean, like, I, I'm just passionate about this space and I'm excited by it, but you're, you're absolutely correct. Like it's just, there's, there's multiple areas we have to look at for this food system to continue to grow. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> but that's one of my best. That's, that is, I might have to use that in some sort of advertising uh, for this podcast. Um, but mate, I'm excited. So you guys are currently in three locations throughout the States. What, what's, what's going for? What's, what's the horizons look like, particularly after this post COVID, um, you know, world. Yeah, I mean, we're most of our business like grew during COVID. And so we built a lot of the technology. We were kind of getting out there before COVID, but we were a team of like 10 when COVID started. It was terrifying, but we did like, we're like listening to crazy techno music and doing like home deliveries through quarantine, um, started selling grow kits um, for people in quarantine as well. And just kind of like, figured it out during COVID and the mushroom, a lot of the mushroom trend kind of, at least the the newest version of it kind of emerged during COVID as well. Um, And so that's, this is what we know. And so um, I, we're a team of a hundred now. We have uh, big facilities in New York, uh, Texas and Los Angeles, 
selling locally. We're in about 411 locations now, not including like e-commerce, which represent a bunch of different customers, probably about 100 or 200 stores worth of, of customers for each of those. Um, the, the, uh, what we're working on now are continuing to bring these facilities to other regions that need it. Um, in the U.S., like we're really focusing on the United States. Um, and so you can definitely keep an eye out for us in your local region soon. Um, I can't announce exactly where, but uh, we're definitely working <laughs> on new locations, um, as well as kind of new products. Like uh, we we are trying about a bunch of new varieties to grow and bring to the bring to the market. There's different grocery stores that are testing those with us, um, as well as other products that incorporate our our mushrooms. Um, for anyone that's listening to, we can sell ingredients uh, to people if people are looking for like a organically grown domestic supply of uh, any of these types of mushrooms, we can be very competitive on price. Um, most, again, most people are sourcing from overseas. And so um, when you're, when you're talking about a larger scale, and so if, if you want to change that and collaborate with us on that, like that's, that's likely something that um, we're going to be working on now, but, um, and so you'll see from us in the future, but also if anyone's listening and wants to take part in that, we're happy to talk to them about it. Love your work, mate. And of course, make sure you go follow you guys on Instagram. Where's Where's the best way to get in contact with you, mate? Uh, with me, I mean through our, through our Instagrams, probably the best. We're at Smallhold. That's we're pretty active there. Um, if you want to talk to me on LinkedIn, I'm pretty active there as well. Um, I'm Andrew Carter, um, and uh, but but definitely on um, the Smallhold website, there's a lot of information as well as a map where you can buy our mushrooms and um, and. Just, just keep watching, and and we'll be in your city soon. Epic, dude. Well, man, I want to want to say that what you're doing is awesome for the food system. Um, as a f- massive fan of mushrooms, uh, and previously not, uh, I'm excited for the space, uh, and I, I can definitely attest to the mushrooms that you guys are growing as well. So, um, okay, I, I can only say that I'm sure we'll be having some sort of dinner party at Charlie Street soon, just to successfully talk about the new win that you have closer to home uh, at least my home anyway um but dude thank you for your time today keep doing epic stuff all my epic table listeners make sure you hit the links to the respective channels for you know andrew and his team go check out small hole what they're doing it's pretty pretty epic uh please leave a review if you feel like this was an awesome podcast to listen to and coming out in the newsletter will be everything from what we discussed today that map of how the awesome mushrooms are grown and of course a uh, rest and respective studies to go with it. Thanks for joining in today, team.